Hello and welcome to the Pioneers of the Great Awakening. Today we have an amazing woman as spearhead on the on helping teens have a, a world education, traveling through the entire world, and truly are leaving behind this education system that we've had that doesn't really bring anything of value at anymore. Uh, her name is Lainey Liberty. And she is the best-selling author of Seen, Heard, and Understood Parenting and Partnering with Teens for Greater Mental Health. She's a speaker, community leader, teen coach, and alternative education advocate who helped to spearhead the thriving world schooling movement. Over the years, Lainey has worked tirelessly as an advocate to bring world schooling into public awareness and part of the alternative education conversation. She is an ad adolescent uh, behavioral specialist, certified coach specializing in transformational and confidence coaching. She founded Transformative Mentoring for Teens and co-founded co the Partnership Parent Movement as a way to empower families to shed all ideas of parenting through authoritarian paradigms and adapt consent-based family dynamics through attachment principles and peace. Lainey co-founded Project World School and the Project World School Family Summits with international conferences for hundreds of families across Europe, Asia, and Mexico. She launched weareschoolers.org, serving his, her Facebook community of almost 20,000 members. Liberty has spoken about world schooling on the TEDx Edu stage in Amsterdam, written about learning through, through travel for multiple magazines and featured in multiple academic journals and publications, including International Journal of Education, Journal on, on Schooling and Alternative Learning, People Magazine, Huffington Post, USA Today, The New York Times, and The New York Post, and has contributed to several books on the topic of world schooling. Hello, Lainey. How are you doing? Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for that intro, and thanks for the invitation. I'm really happy to be here. Awesome. So let's start uh, right on it. Tell us something interesting about yourself that most people don't know about. Something interesting about myself that most people don't know. And I've heard you ask this question before. And, you know, <laughs> I don't pre-prepare. This is a conversation. I'm really happy to have it. Um, goodness. Well, I guess through with all that stuff, all that advocacy, it's it's hard to say because I wrote a book and I talk a lot about my childhood and a lot of the childhood trauma and some of the shadows and some of the shame that I had to overcome. So it's kind of like already there, but I am also a painter. Um, and I'll tell you one thing, when I was a kid, the thing that I wanted most in the world was to be on Saturday Night Live, which is so silly, but I loved sketch comedy. I mean, Saturday, let's face it, it's a little mainstream and it's gotten really bad over the last 30 years, but that's what I wanted to do when I was a kid. So I've never said that publicly. Awesome. Awesome. So it's like, it's like some sort of comedy painting or something like that or like what was like I can't like I'm putting them together what does it actually what did you saw yourself doing Saturday Night Live no the painting is totally 
separate, but I do love sketch comedy and I love improv. And in fact, I work with teens as, as you spoke about, I work with them in immersive learning environments. Um, sometimes we're exploring the outer world. Sometimes we're exploring the inner worlds and sometimes we're doing a combination of both. But the way that I get teens uh, really in touch with themselves and get them into their body and get rid of the shame of not knowing anybody who's in the room with them is through improv. So my love of improv and making a fool out of myself and um, facilitating others to be silly is a big part of the work that I do. And I think that play is such a critical part of being a human. And unfortunately, adults lose their sense of play when they hit adolescence and beyond. So for me, I'm in my 50s and I love to play still. So it's such a big, big part of my life. It's so true. Comedy totally breaks through all barriers. And we're just at some point, we're just laughing, you know, we're just people laughing and it's fun. And it, you know, raises the energy and, you know, it, it's the, one of the greatest healing. And it's also a, an incredible tool to deliver very powerful truths that are necessary right now, because it kind of like bypasses a lot of the barriers because it's comedy, but it's actually speaking truth. So I definitely totally agree with that. So what was your fork in the road, your major decision in your life that has got you where you are right now in your life? Okay, so there's there been, been several. And I've told this story many times, but I'm going to give you a little bit of backstory. But basically, I was a conventional, well, semi-conventional parent, a single parent living in Los Angeles, um, which is where I knew one of your other guests that we talked about before we started recording. And I was, you know, I, I owned a branding agency. I worked in advertising for almost 18 years. Last eight of those years were my agency. And as a single parent, you know, I worked a lot, especially when you own your own business. It requires a lot of work. Now, we did live in a downtown LA loft, and I always have been an anarchist. So there's a part of me that's not super conventional. And, and the anarchist part actually leads into most of the story later. So what happened in 2008 was the economy crashed. I knew I wasn't bringing back my, my uh, staff at the end of the year. And as I watched my clients go away, you know, left and right, I almost had this exhale of relief, like, ah, shit, you know, like, overstressed, overworked. And at the time I had a nine-year-old son who kept saying, mom, you're always working. You're never spending any time with me. And that was like a, a, like a cut through my heart. Like you would not believe because I was living the American dream for him, even though I had so much cognitive dissonance in the work that I was doing and, and the lifestyle that I was leading. So when I knew I wasn't bringing my staff back, it was late one night in the office and I turned around and I looked at my son, his name is Miro, named after the Spanish artist. I said, honey, what do you think if we just got rid of all this shit and just went and had an adventure? And he's like, one question first, one question. You got to answer this first. I know, I know you're sitting at the edge of your seat. He said, do I have to go to school? And I said, no. 
And he's like, I'm in. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. And it took us six months and we got rid of everything that we owned. We sold everything. We either sold it or gave it away. Um, we had a friend take a do our dog and then we were off and we were taking off for what was to be a one-year trip. We, from LA, we were going to head south and we were going to our goal was to spend a year backpacking and end up in Ushuaia, Argentina. So a couple things happened along the way. Um, and I can talk about that because it's very, very unusual. But we decided that, number one, we were going to say yes to everything. We were within reason, of course, and we were going to live without rules. We were also going to live in partnership and and all of this comes from my my deep core um, belief of being an anarchist, living without rulers. And I could talk about what all that looks like, but that eventually became partnership parenting. And, and again, I could talk about that later. But along the way, we started to discover and shed all of these sort of American-centric fears that we had. And we started off in the country of Mexico, which is where I'm talking to you from, coincidentally. And we were just going to head south. So we headed south. And um, I basically raised my son nomadically. We went to almost somewhere around 40 countries. Um, during that time. Um, but our goal initially was to start in Los Angeles, Mexico, and just go south. So like I said, a couple things happened. We didn't go back after one year. That was almost 15 years ago. And um, we never made it to Argentina. <laughs> so I told you we've been to around the world. We created businesses and, and the saying yes really became a theme for us. And lots and lots of things changed and we discovered and we we learned that we, you know, kind of shed that American centric identity and really became warriors of the world and and looked at the world as this wonderful place to learn. We learned in partnership. We learned about the external worlds and it became a way to process what the heck was going on in our internal world. So, you know, emotional intelligence and 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 you know awareness of self became a massive part of our family culture, as did, of course, living as an anarchist. Um, again, I, I'm sure most of your audience knows that they're listening to you. They know that anarchy is not chaos and violence. It simply means living without a ruler, and that became our partnership. Our 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 journey through the planet. My son now, we left when he was nine, just turning 10. He is now about ready to turn 25. And boy, what a life we've led together. And we're, we're still in partnership. We, we own some businesses together. We work together. And we both have in the 2020 uh, craziness, shall we just call it, uh, we happen to be in Mexico running a conference. Um, and so living a nomadic life, um, we didn't have roots anywhere. So we were in Mexico and this is where we remained for the last now four years. So we are here in Mexico as uh, residents 
And um, yeah, our life has changed. It looks a little bit different now, but that was going to happen anyway, because my son is no longer, you know, a child. He's, he's a man. <laughs> so, you know, we're doing our own things, but he still lives in, he lives in the town that, that I live in. We live in the same town, just not in the same house. Yeah. So that's incredible. That is beautiful. And and there's a couple things I'd like to ask in a little bit, but before we dive into that, so um, what was your worst moment, your darkest moment in your life where you actually discovered yourself on, and the path that now you're taking into, you know, helping people create a completely new type of education, addressing kind of the issues that teenagers have because you know, when you talk to most people, they don't even know how to deal with the teenagers. It's a, it's a, you know, conflict, you know, head body. So you definitely have an incredible fire. They're an incredible gift that you are bringing to the world. But all gifts are forged in, you know, in, in decisions, in moments that we totally step out of the norm and say, I am going to take a different direction. Where, where was this deepest dark moment of your, of your life? <clears throat> Yeah, well, it's it's hard to say that there is a singular point in time. It was a lot of things that built up. And I write about this in my book. Um, I write a lot about trauma, childhood trauma, attachment theory, and how that plays out in the adult, you know, the adult experience. As somebody who had a lot of trauma in my childhood, and there are, the psychologists have basically designated two basic types of traumas. There's what they call the big T's, which are the big events that happen in a person's life. Um, some of them are, you know, losing a parent or a car accident or a war, or something that's really a marker of time that shifts the internal worlds. Or there's something called the, the small T's. And the little T's are a series of events that happen that, um, you know, that you can trace back to, but it's not just one thing. Now, the, the adult, well, the human brain develops all throughout a person's life, but the first seven years really is substantial. And so if, if, you are uh, experiencing a lot of traumas or in my case, little traumas, which was constantly being yelled at and, and being pushed aside, not listened to and not feeling safe and secure and a lot of other things. Uh, my brain developed in such a way with, as psychologists call it, a, a insecure attachment. And there are basically four kinds of attachment styles. Secure is what you're looking for. Uh, and then there's all different variations of the others. And I probably had most of those. Um, I was disorganized, which meant that my caretakers, not only were they there for me, but they weren't there constantly. So they pushed me away. They brought me forward. They were the ones who were yelling at me. And so the ones that I was looking for security from really didn't give me security. And so there was no way of really figuring out what is safe and what's not safe. And that was my major development. My um, adolescent years became very, very hectic. They were filled with rebellion. Um, I also later in life got diagnosed with something called ODDD. Wait, there's only two Ds. ODD, Oppositional Defiance Disorder, which means that I have a... a 
a biological response to being told what to do. So you tell me what to do, I'll say, fuck you, and I won't do it. But I actually feel that welling up of emotions, and I get a biological response to it. In my adolescent years, it was just me being rebellious, but it was really a result of that diagnosis. And and some people believe uh, psychology diagnoses are bullshit and, you know, whatever. It's just a way of defining and describing and giving us context to understand one another and, and basically ourselves. So having the understanding that this was my, my programming and with understanding about the brain, you know, the brain doesn't know the difference between truth or a lie. All the brain knows is the thoughts that you habitually think. And that becomes interpreted through the conscious brain as a truth. And because my truths were so disorganized and the world around me was so unsafe and people were not really safe to connect with. Yet I had this great desire in my, not only beyond my teens, but my twenties and and into my thirties to be in relationship because that's the human experience with people. I recognized when I hit my thirties that I had this pattern of pulling people close and pushing them away, pulling them close And it just wasn't serving me. So being somebody who had lots of trauma, right? Again, it's not one point, but it's all of this stuff. Having this trauma and understanding that something is not working and my my most powerful trauma response to all of this was hyper-independence. I didn't want anybody to help me. I wanted to fix this motherfucking problem. I hope I can swear on <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we're totally up. That's, that's what we do here. You got to hear the podcast. It gets really very good. Yeah. <laughs> we love that. Okay, awesome. <laughs> I work with teens and we use words to describe what it is that we're talking about. And there is no taboo. I just don't want to shut down that part of it. But I love it. it. I love that. <laughs> it's the best. Oh, I, <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. But understanding that I could not look at somebody to fix me, that this was my work. And so I dove deep and as an an anarchist, um, as somebody who um, really is, you know, hyper-independent, served me in many ways, but in other ways, it really, really hurt my connections through life. But I, it it gave me the power to become a strong autodidactic. I'm highly, highly educated in so many different things because I've got the drive, that intrinsic motivation to learn, right? And it's me. I got to do it. I got to do it on my own. And even if I have a degree in art, like it has nothing to do with this drive to learn. And so I wanted to heal myself. And so I dove into neuroscience and I dove into um, psychology and I drove it, uh, dove into self-help and every single modality that I could think of that was at my fingertips and available. I did I meditation, shadow work. Um, Jung was like, oh my God, mind altering for me. And I recognized that the, first of all, the ability and willingness to be uncomfortable 
was one of those things that that the American population doesn't like to do. We don't, we're very uncomfortable with a discomfort. And I was just like, fuck yeah, give it to me. I just, I want more. I want more of this, which is also why I became a really good traveler, right? Because that's a whole nother, you know, way of stepping into the discomfort. But first for me, it was about my internal worlds. And I had to know what those limiting beliefs were. I had to know what those programs were that I was running. And then I had to learn how to reprogram those things. And that became my life's work. And I always knew that I wanted to be a parent, but I also knew that I did not want to parent in the same manner in which I was parented. And that was a beautiful gift, right? Don't parent that way. I'm clear about that. But what I had to do was really, really figure out these internal worlds in order to become the parent that I wish I had. And part of the reason why I work with adolescents is because that was the toughest time in my life. There was never an adult that showed up for me. I felt totally, you know, invisible and dismissed. And in fact, you said that you you read out, out in my bio the name of my book. It's seen heard and understood. And those are the very things that I just desired from the innermost, you know, depths of my being. I wanted to be seen, heard and understood. So that's the work that I do with teens. And every teen that I work with and connect with, it heals a little bit of my inner Laney, you know, my inner adolescent. And it's just, it's meaningful and it's beautiful. And I love this work. And I know I'm jumping around from two different places, but I hope that answers your question. Not just one thing, but all those things. Absolutely. We are multidimensional beings. We're all over the place. And, you know, I'm, I'm the same way, you know, and it gets awesome because now you're mixing things from here and there. If people can manage to catch you, then now we're riding and we're flying and it's epic, you know, and it's like, those are the conversations I love. So you might have already answered this question already, but if there's something else you, you want to add what was the biggest lesson that you've learned in your life right now because of everything that has come together with all of these little things that have come together? What is the one thing that you've embodied and now you are? So this may surprise you. So as we started to become these, um, my son and I, as we started to travel and we became these learners that were immersing ourselves in cultures, and this was my biggest lesson, we recognized that there is such diversity in worldviews. There are different ways of seeing. You can look, pick up a rock, and I could see it from this perspective. You could see it from this perspective, and a local will see it from here, and an ancient will see it from here. And it just, it was just phenomenal to recognize that each thing, each piece of history, each moment had different meanings. One of the countries that we fell in love with, my son and I, we ended up living in Peru for three years. That became our, our base. And I discovered that I had this crazy passion 
for pre-Columbian history, something I had known nothing about before I started traveling. And starting off in Mexico, we started to explore the world of the Mayas and the world of the underground. And we started to head down to all the different countries. And we looked at, at the archaeological sites and we explored the written text and we started to speak to people. But when we got to, to Peru and specifically Cusco, I was like, like it was so amazing the sites and then I started reaching out to all of these different researchers so I reached out to this this researcher named Brian Forrester who studies the elongated skulls and I said my son and I are here we're world schoolers we're learning about the world can we assist you and he's like sure so we did this thing with these elongated skulls and it brought us into this world of ancient aliens and, you know, um, archaeology and prehistory and the myths. And then we started working with uh, Peruvian um, researchers that had this whole concept about the different uh, density of the ages. And it was just mind-blowing stuff. And then we worked with just, we met um just regular researchers that were tour guides, that were educated through the government of Peru and had specific stories that they had to tell. And I remember one day at Machu Picchu with my son and we had gone like nine times living there. You know, it's one of those really magical spaces. Actually, there are different sites that are more magical than Machu Picchu. But I remember being in Machu Picchu and overhearing a tour guide telling the story of the Incas. And this is, you know, the land that the Incas built. And I'm thinking to myself, all the research that I've done, all the researchers that we've worked with, all the stories that we've heard from the locals, no, it really wasn't, but I understood the marketing because had they said, welcome to the land that the Incas found 500 years ago and built upon, it's very, it's a very different story. And it gave me perspective that all these different truths can live in this one place. And I am so fucking humble to say, I don't know what the one truth is, but I've got this encyclopedia of possibilities. And my son and I went back and I remember we talked and talked and talked and we talked about, well, we, we should know the truth, but no, we don't know the truth, but what is truth? And then we talked about the brain and it was all of this incredible conversation. And it humbled me to understand that I have no idea what the nature of reality is. I know that through my investigation, there's a million possible ways and the diversity of this planet from, from you know, foliage to, to bacteria, to humans, to history is the joy of life. And we don't have to make it just one thing. So yeah, that to me is probably my, my weirdest answer, but hopefully it gave you something. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. That's exactly right. We are all possibilities existing simultaneously. We have the ability to open ourselves to just understand that 
you know, everybody's seeing the same thing from a different angle. And we are, and what is maybe that thing is not even that thing, you know, and it's like, and then it's layers of things. And so I love that. And I've had a similar journey in my life, just, you know, realizing that there's just so much. And, uh, you know, the, I, I guess one of the greatest realizations, realizing that, you know, whatever they sell you in marketing as the truth, it's not, you know, it's just a point of view and, and usually a very nasty one. Yeah. And uh, so it's like that's that's the awakening, right? Realizing there is more and they're not telling it, you know, so I'm going to have to find out. And that's when you just find out all these possibilities. And you realize that the world is a wonderful place with all these amazing things. And you don't live in this little box that they told you, this is this is the world. And you have to believe this is the world. And you're like, fuck that. So, <laughs> so um, what keeps you up at night? What keeps me up at night? Oh, goodness. <laughs> I, you know, for me... Look, I've I've dove down some really deep, dark rabbit holes and I could talk conspiracy. I could talk ancient aliens. I could talk about so many things. I just got back from the greater reset where I was a presenter. And for me, you know, being around different groups of people that are focused on different things really reminds me that your reality is what you focus on. I I always say that if I die tomorrow, I have led a full life because I have influenced youth and my son and those that I've, I've come across in my life in a very positive way. And I have inspired change. And that's all I can do as a single human. I've written an amazing book. I'm working on my second book right now about a, another paradigm of parenting. And hopefully I'll die before I get that finished. But I'm really, really, what keeps me up is how I can leave a very positive mark on this world. Because there's a lot of people focusing on what's not right. And I would focus, I'm really concerned about focusing on the other. Again, we're looking at perspectives. We can look at this horrible, you know, great reset in Davos and all the bullshit that's happening there and really, really work ourselves up. But I would rather paint and, com and commune with, you know, beautiful teenagers and let them see the beauty in themselves and the diversity that lives within and how beautiful life can be so i you know i'm not a pollyanna but how great life would be if i was a pollyanna you like i understand some of this reality and by living by example by saying i am an anarchist i will live by no rulers i will live in accordance or in alliance or in alignment, sorry, with my own core values. And that's the thing that drives me. And those are the things that, that I hope will inspire others to step out and say, this is what life should be about, not the rat race and not the distractions of all the bullshit that's happening in the world, right? We can persevere as a human race, as long as we can find that creative spirit from within. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's exactly the same thing. I always talk about my podcast. It's good. It's important that we know what's going on so that we can make decisions in our lives 
but our focus needs to be on what are we creating, not recreating by continuously positioning our attention on the same bullshit. When you pull your attention from that, you're really pulling the foundation of their you know, house of cards because it's based on our attention. You move your attention to this amazing reality. Now it that's building a new future. So absolutely beautiful. What is your vision for humanity's future? Well, I think it's going to come from the children. And I think, look, I made a commitment to end the cycle of family trauma that I lived in. To me, that required a lot of inner work. And that to me is the most important thing. Um, I've heard many people talk about the next seven generations. Every decision we make should serve those next generations. And that's, you know, my grand grandchildren and their grandchildren and so forth. And that leaves a very strong burden of accountability coming from the United States as an American. We are a culture of blame. We are a culture that does not like to be accountable for ourselves. And that needs to shift. And that will start in our families if we can raise our children. Number one, as adults, take accountability for our own internal worlds and heal whatever generational trauma we've inherited. That's our job as adults. Then to raise our children outside of an authoritarian paradigm. How important is it to let your child know that you are there with love to facilitate their experience in life? Meaning I'm not going to tell you what to do. I am going to make a decision with you. We are going to raise you and develop me further in partnership. It's partnership. It's about connection. It's about moving together. And this is this is what my my second book is about. It's about what I call partnership parenting. And there there are certain um, uh, you know aspects to it. And I know if you're if you've got parents in your audience, immediately this touches on sort of these wounds. Like what? trust my child what you know live with them in partnership what you know no they don't know anything and i'm gonna tell you that you're wrong they are full human beings when they are when they come to you and it's your job as as the parent to facilitate the them that they already are. There's a wonderful book that changed my life and it's not about anarchy. It's about um, parenting. It's called The Continuum Concept and it's written maybe 50 years ago from an anthropologist who actually moved to the jungles of Peru and studied how they reared children in in the Amazon and many different um, ethnic groups of people in Peru uh, basically take this this concept of children are born whole. It's the community that raises them. We don't need to open up their school and pour in information. We need to elevate the them that they already are. And that's huge difference between the way that we rear children in the Western world. So 
if you're if you have parents in your audience before my book comes out, go read that book. That'll start to crack open your skull a little bit to start to recognize what it means to be human, right? Yeah, I think it's I think it's powerful. <laughs> Absolutely. Everybody wants freedom. And if you want to be free, why wouldn't you give that to your child? You know, these are full-on entities with, you know histories of who knows how millions of years landing in this reality in these bodies with a purpose and they carry that incredible wisdom because they haven't been tainted by a lot of the bullshit here so they actually come here to give you a lift up and obviously they're not totally adapted to the reality here so you can work with them so that you're working walking together growing together and getting so much out of that relationship instead of like that hierarchical tyrannical consciousness that just perpetuates all throughout history and in, you see it in everybody obviously you're going to see it in families and parenting and now that shit needs to be gone down on the toilet and flushing that thing down that goes away forever mm -hmm. we have a completely new reality but we have to step up and bring it in this is true. And when I spoke earlier about the first seven years of life of programming the brain, we are physical beings, right? And we have physical functioning equipment that needs to be understood as well. It's not all of us, but understanding if we are constantly programming our zero to seven to follow authority, that is the program that they're going to move into the, the planet with. We need to empower them to, to find their own sovereignty, sovereign beings, and to be in partnership and to guide them and facilitate them so that they can step up and say, uh-uh, this doesn't work for me. This, no, I am not consenting to this or this or this. I am choosing to live by the rule of self. That is, again, accountability beautiful beautiful what and you've already answered this a lot of this question already but if you want to add more of this what are you doing right now to contribute to this mission oh have? my goodness well i have a company that i uh, started in 2020 called uh, transformative mentoring for teens and i've been working with teens online i teach them these incredible tools so that self-inquiry is a natural part of their waking existence. Their, their internal worlds is something that they've, you know, that first the tools to open up, to crack open the head and, you know, or self and and really understand what's there and what what belief systems are there, what's what they put there, what society and culture has given them, um, understanding what we're capable of, understanding and touching in with passions and purpose and drive and internal motivation, which we call intrinsic motivation. We do that through play. We do that through these incredible tools. And if I had these tools when I was a teen, it wouldn't have taken me so much time to cultivate those skills through my 20s and 30s. My God, if we're making the internal worlds the safe space for them, and these are the internal worlds that are being, the, these are the worlds that they're being attacked through 
right now through social media, through social conditioning, through cultural norms. They're being attacked in those spaces. They need to be able to understand what self embodies and their tools, their tools. Let's use this tool. Let's use this tool. Let's use this tool. And by having this whole library of ways of accessing self, it removes the pattern of reaction. We're in a reactionary world. This is a re almost everybody that you meet now is in a reactionary state. We want to consciously choose a response based on the alignment of self. And that is what I'm doing to help change the world right now. I'm doing it through my books. I'm doing it through the work that I do directly with teens. And I do some work with parents. It, starting young is has got to be like the norm. We've got to cultivate a whole culture of, of peace, of of partnership, of sovereignty, of freedom, but it starts in the family. So that's what I'm doing. Beautiful. Absolutely. It is the family. We, we are a family, but you know, every connection, it's a family, it's a relationship and it's an interaction. If there's no respect in any relationship, then the whole society goes down, you know, downhill. Because, you know, that's where it starts. You have to have the sovereign individual hold its ground, has its connection to the universe, to its life, make its own decisions. And then you bring that and just meet somebody else that is not in that state of, of you know, kind of like lack. And so that's why people are always fighting in each other because they don't they're trying to get what they need from the other. But they don't realize that they have their own connection. If you have that connection, then now you become a source. The other one is a source. And now we're having a party instead of having a war, you know? Yeah. And, you know, the thing that really strikes me as part of this global manipulation is human beings are not comfortable with sitting with other people with different viewpoints. Like I said, Machu Picchu, right? Built by, by you know, the Incas, built by, you know, the ancients. It, it's okay that both of these very opposing viewpoints live side by side. And I am calm to create space, safe space for that to happen. So, we other people, and I know some of the uh, cultural norm, like normal language right now is about that, but it's using it in a very manipulative way. But we have to understand that everybody, humans are being manipulated and played. And this has been discussed on your podcast and all throughout the alternative media and, and free thinkers and so forth. But we can't live in a vacuum. Those of us that are awakening, we need to be able to open up our hearts and spaces for those that have a very finite viewpoint and understand that their humanity is so important to the bigger picture. Like we need to be 
comfortable with the discomfort, which is the very first thing that moved me into this space. Let's have uncomfortable conversations. Let's sit with each other's humanity and let's not make each other wrong. Let's make the spaces so these viewpoints can live side by side. Even Klaus Schwab's like, fuck him, but he's a human and I need to be able Look, the, the, the culture has created the space, the vacuum for him to exist, right? So we need to understand that there's got to be a compassionate connection. I'm not saying follow him, you know, I'm just saying understand and create a space where we can understand that this is necessary for us who don't have those belief systems to be able to uh, make impact and, and create greater freedom in humanity. So thank you, Klaus Schwab. And thank you to my mother who was abusive for giving me this gift. You know, all this is perfect harmony in some weird way that I don't quite understand, but I've got to believe that. It's so interesting you're saying uh, that because I saw your uh, training about um, the hero's journey. Yeah. And so uh, I'm a writer, so I'm, I'm going to use that whole concept, uh, you know, and it's so interesting because you realize that it is our shadows, our unresolved work that feeds of the world shadow. And, you know, the story, we're li literally playing a, a story here and we need the villains to push that change in there, the catalyst, right? We're all part, we're all part of this whole journey. We all are playing these characters. Obviously, at the end of the story, the, the villain loses its power because the hero reclaims its power. And so we are the heroes of this journey, reclaiming our power yeah. and simply not choosing that timeline. We're saying, you know, yeah, you you will eat bugs and be happy. No, fuck that. You will eat bugs yeah. and then you will be happy, but I'm going to eat whatever the fuck I want, you know? And so it's like, at some point, you don't even fight it. You know, you just realize the fight. That's what they want you to do. They want you to fight it, to spend your energy on it. No, I'm going to put my energy in building the new reality, pull my attention from there. And so without attention, now we have Sports Illustrated going down without firing all the journalists and all these publications. They're just firing all their journalists because nobody's fucking reading that stuff anymore. And that's the attention. We're moving that attention. And it's also very important to move when you move into the underground realize that there's all this plethora of choices right and so when you have that centeredness you know how to navigate towards the time of reality that aligns you with that timeline that it's a completely new reality so i think you've already answered this beautifully but i'm just going to say it in case you have a little bit more to say there um what do you think we can do to inspire unity among the different groups of the awakening movement, because it's exactly what you're saying. Well, you know, I've got uh, certain tools or steps that I use when I work with parents and that I'm writing in my book about partnership parenting. And one of the, the most important elements is understanding when we are sitting in judgment we're doing this with our children 
we then have an agenda, right? So there's an agenda on this side and an emotional reaction on this side. So we're not really centered to what is sitting right in front of us. So understanding, again, our internal worlds, why are we being triggered? And the judgment is usually tied to a fear, which is usually tied to some sort of shame, which is usually clouding some sort of shadow that we haven't really dealt with or integrated into self. There's no shame in being human. There's no shame in having all of these aspects of self. But when we get triggered by another person, that is our work. So number one, understanding judgment and, and all the work that goes along with that is the stuff that I just described. And then there are some beautiful communication techniques like, like matching the emotional state of the person that you're talking to. If, look, it, if somebody is really, 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 really upset, you're not going to come in and laugh. You know, that's going to piss them off more. You need to match or match their emotional state again without the judgment, but to acknowledge that they're being seen and whatever the feeling that is coming up is real. It's, it's, it's justified. We're not trying to calm, you know, parents that calm down. And we, we say that in other groups to other people, do you think saying calm down to somebody when they're upset actually calms them down? No, it doesn't. So we need to learn the skills of matching the affect of that particular person. And that takes some you know, trial and error. It takes a lot inside of you to say, I know you're really, really upset. I know I'm feeling this too. Gosh, this is big. Okay, notice I didn't judge. I matched the the, the same emotional state. And we've got to stop trying to fix things in 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 parenting and and with children. Oh my God. Well, you know, your friend just stole your skateboard. Well, I'm going to do this and that and buy you a new one and, and talk to their parents. And no, you need to, you need to just let the person be seen, heard and understood. We have a whole culture of started off with children that were never seen, heard or understood that now are, are, you know, their inner child is totally revolting. And when you match that same kind of behavior, when you're trying to negotiate or connect or make space for different points of view, you are basically dealing with their inner child that never was seen, heard or understood. So we've got to do this in our families with our young children, but also bring these skills into understanding people that have these childhood wounds that haven't done internal work and by giving them the honor of seeing them instead of dehumanizing them or othering them that will heal a lot of the wounds in this world i'm not saying you know obviously go follow the world economic form or some of the other crazy stuff that's happening but 
but by denying it and fighting it, when you fight against something, you're creating good fighters. We don't, yeah. You're, and think about that culture in a family. When, when you try and assert authority over a child or a teenager, you're creating more uh, resistance and better fighters and, and better manipulators. So now the adults that we're dealing with come from that culture. So we've got not only take care of our families from this point forward, but understand that humanity has been programmed in such a way that we can actually de-escalate these conflicts and come together. Because remember, there is that movement. I was out of the country. Remember, I've been out of the country for, for 15 years, but there was that, the, the, what is it? Something on Wall Street. And it was all about- Occupy Wall Street. Right. I wasn't in the States when that happened, but I did hear some of the news. And I remember they were talking about the 1% and we are the 99%. And that to me was really powerful. However, the 99% is so splintered in fighting each other by design that we, the 99%, can figure out a way to allow those viewpoints to live side by side. Because you know what? Most people are not bad. Most people are not bad. And if they come from some, some misguided, you know, ethical belief system, we've got to honor we say misguided. I'm sitting in judgment just by saying that. And we actually probably shouldn't say that. But most people come from a place that makes sense to them. And it's it's up to people to, to break down the walls of the others and to be able to say, yes, yes. I'm going to tell you a super quick story. So I work with teens and I worked with a very prominent um, anti-vax activist in the UK. And she's a mom of several children. Um, and the the one of the oldest was the teen that I worked with. Uh, the teen was, uh, you know, whole family's not vaxxed, uh, childhood vaccination. And when the lockdowns happened, of course, they were highly against the COVID vaccination. But the teen that I worked with for almost four years um, had been considering getting the COVID vaccination because they were told no, 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 no. And there's no discussion, no conversation. And I worked with, with, with this teen. And what I discovered was at, teens had a really hard time during the pandemic or scamdemic, whatever you want to call it, because... Look, they're individuating, they're getting ready to launch, they're they're trying on new identities. This is this is how the human brain is wired. We are supposed to be doing these things as as a human being. And all of these things were shut down by the world, right? And this particular team that I was working with saw the opportunity to step out and to travel and to claim a little bit of independence. But in order to do so, they needed this vaccination passport thingy, whatever they needed in the UK. And I listened and I didn't solve the problem. I didn't give her advice. I listened and 
you could see that, you know, the anger of, I can't do this. And, you know, and, and I keep getting shut down and nobody's listening to me. That was enough to allow this team to actually make a rational decision about self based on empowering self instead of in a reactionary mode, right? So if we just need to listen to each other, we're not solving problems, we need to be seen, we need to be heard, and we need to be understood. And each individual has the ability to make their own choices. But when you push up against so violently, because this is what I say we do, it really just propels the person into the other direction. So, yeah. It's so true. I saw that, you know, when uh, the whole thing happened and, you know, I'm right like, this is bullshit. I step on the Facebook, you know, sofa going like, ah, 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 and everybody was just unfriending, unfriending, unfriending me, unfriending me. It's like, he's crazy. He's crazy. At some point I realized I was just, you know, pushing against uh, a stand. And then mm -hmm. I realized that that's not going to work. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say what I'm going to say, but I'm not going to say in a way that, um, that I'm demanding that they wake up because I realized that was kind of my own anger issues. And so I, I started my podcast. And so I, you know, right now I'm up to almost 800 episodes of just talking about all of this stuff. And so you probably want you've, you've heard, you've only, you've only seen the ones of with video and interviews, but you might want to check out the ones where I actually talk about um, what I call the gene keys. I don't know if you're familiar with this stuff, but it's really good stuff. Um, I heard you and Danny talking about that, um, Danny Katz, for those that are wondering, that, that's the, I don't know her, but I've been following her work for years. And so, um, yeah, I thought it was a really good podcast episode, but you guys talked about the Gene Keys and I did a quick little search. I don't know much about it, but I'm happy to learn. I want to learn everything. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful. This is beautiful. What's your favorite quote? Holy shit. No, that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Holy shit. <laughs> Favorite quote. Gosh, I have, I, you know, I have so many quotes in my book from other people, but I can't, not one pops up off the top of my head. Gosh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to have to take a rain check and maybe okay. write you a note on that one <laughs> because I'm a blank right now with that. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's all good. So uh, tell, uh, please uh, let us know, my people, you know, uh, your people, um, where can we find you? What are you doing? You know, yeah. what do you want them to invite them to your, you know, retreats or all of the stuff that you have going on? Please. Yeah. So if you are a parent of a teen, I really want you to, first of all, get on my mailing list. Um, I work with teens and I teach them these tools for greater mental health, which is what we talked about earlier. Um, transformative mentoring for teens. You can find all the work that I do directly with teens. That's the, that's my passion work. That's the work that lights me up, but there are other ways to connect with me. My son and I co-founded a company together 13 years ago, which blows me away. 
and it's called Project World School. No, it wasn't 13 years ago. It was 11 years ago. Sorry about that. 11 years ago called Project World School. And since then, we've brought hundreds of teens to different places around the world for these immersive, some month long, some two week long uh, immersive learning trips. You can find the information for the trips that we run on the website Project World School, and that's what we call world schooling. It's experiential learning, it's social learning, um, and it's a whole lot of fun. And it's really a safe space so that teens get the opportunity to actually step outside of their comfort zone, be in community, define the kind of person that they wish to be on this trip, and actually grow and learn about worldviews. You know, how are we seeing these things different than people in our host country? Our, in November, we just uh, brought a group of teens to Thailand, and our next trip is actually here in the end of March, for uh, we call this our intro trips because it's one of our our shorter trips versus the month long ones but it's going to be here in Mexico and it's a wonderful trip it's halfway filled right now but there's still space if you want to go to Project World School and check that out it's for 12 to 20 and it's multi-age learning and it is so much fun and then if you are interested in the work that I do with parents, my son and I, maybe twice a year, we co-host parenting classes at partnershipparent.com. And it's really cool to see a mom and son, my, my son is almost 25 now, but to see us work together to help other families to step into this modality of parenting. And you can find that information, like I said, at Partnership Parenting. And I'm going to urge you to go pick up my book. It's been a bestseller for the last two years. It's called Seen, Heard, and Understood, Parenting and Partnering with Teens for Greater Mental Health. Even if you don't have a teenager yet and you're a parent, this talks about partnership parenting, and it really gets you to start being accountable. There's a whole chapter in the back of nothing but tools. So the invitation for parents is use the tools yourself and then facilitate them with your teen. But if you don't have a teen yet, use the tools yourself. And that will help start priming your mind for stepping into greater partnership, especially when they become teenagers. And then follow me on any any social um i'm i laney l-a-i-n-i-e and there's an i in front of it um it's been my moniker for gosh 20 something years but you can find me on all the socials with that moniker and just be on the lookout for my second book, which should come out next year on partnership parenting. So yeah, that's it. Find me on, oh, and world schooling. Oh my gosh, we are world schoolers. <laughs> yeah, there's that too. <laughs> Beautiful, excellent. Thank you so much, Lainey. We're going to put all of that information in the page, wherever we put all this stuff around. 
And it's uh, it's been a pleasure to have you join us here. What a what a what a treat! And and there's just so much beauty you're bringing, and 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 all of these stuffs you're making. You're definitely a pioneer of this great awakening that's happening, bringing spearheading this this amazing movement of you know stepping out of the bullshit education system and just burning down all these taboos and all these outdated ways of dealing with life that just you know they're just old and they need to rot and then become mulch you know, for the yeah. civilization thank you thank you so much for joining us um Lainey, and um at some point maybe we're gonna have you back and talk about anarchy and other stuff and it's gonna be <laughs> <really> exciting <laughs> i love so that much. Oh my gosh, thank you for the invitation and this beautiful conversation. Thank you for letting me go to places I don't normally go when I do, you know, podcasts or interviews. So I really appreciate the openness. It's it's a lovely form and I'm going to go listen to a lot more of your podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Lainey. And um, you can find the podcast. The home of the podcast is Jorn.tv. That's J-O-U-R-N.tv. On the podcast, you'll see the daily podcast on the main page. And at the bottom menu, you'll see the Pioneers link. And that's all of our guests here. Both those are on video and audio. The daily podcast is just audio. And at the bottom right corner of TV, you'll see the support button. We have a Telegram chat room. You can join our community there. Anything you want to share, that's what that's for. We have a, a Telegram news channel, a Truth Social, and an ex-Twitter for all the news of the physical stuff that's going on. We're trying to find the most objective, logical stuff. you know. And then so you can mind, look at that and actually make your own mind. Feel the truth with your own internal gut sonar, but we're looking for the most objective stuff because there's a lot of stuff out there and a lot of it, you know, it's like, okay, that's weird. And um, we also have coaching programs. If you want to work with us, we have, we're working with the Jinkies and all the stuff is there on Jorn.tv. If you want a one-on-one -on -one meeting, we have that one too. We have a three-month coaching program called Life Design. If you're tired of being a different person for everybody that you meet at the end of the day, you're tired because you've been 20 people a day. Align yourself with your deepest spiritual purpose so that wherever you go out, everywhere you are, you are that one being and people get to know who you truly are. Your whole life is blooming in completely different ways. We have a specific coaching program for people that are stuck in their dark night of soul and they're ready to move through because if you're not ready, then it, no, nothing's going to get through through that. There's a very specific decision we need to make to move through the dark night. So we are in pain. We are dissolving. We are disappearing. And so in the midst of that pain, you step out and choose to be of service and bring that pain with you into your next life. The pain is not going to go away, but now you've made that journey. And we help people transition through that dark night of the soul. We have a specific coaching program for coaches. If you want to generate highly qualified clients, specifically through your podcasting, we tell we help people create a podcast with all the technical stuff and the marketing and all the spiritual inner work so that you can bring your authenticity, your authentic self-expression, and people reach and you resonate with your trust 
tribe. Yes, a lot of people are going to be sifted off because they're not going to like you. But the ones who stay, those are your people. And you're going to create a powerful bonding and create a really successful business. All of that stuff is at the very bottom right corner of Jorn.tv on the support link. That's J-O-U-R-N.tv. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening, for watching this amazing interview we had with Lainey. And uh, see you on the next podcast. See you again. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.